What's good, everybody? This episode of the podcast is sponsored by DistroKid. They are the go-to for digital music distribution and the easiest way for musicians to get your music onto Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, TikTok, YouTube, and more. They offer unlimited uploads, and artists keep 100% of their earnings in stores 10 to 20 times faster than any other distributor. Fastest payouts. They help out with automatic splits, cover song clearance, and all kinds of other amazing tools and templates to help you get the most visibility for your releases. I dig this company and really appreciate their business model that offers more features than any other distributor at the most affordable price possible for solo musicians, bands, studio artists, DJs, and any other creators that are producing music in their home. And they also offer label services as well. They're distributing over a third of the world's digital music at this point. And the best part about DistroKid sponsoring the podcast is that they are offering Dan Cable Presents listeners 30% off your first year of membership, making their already affordable services even cheaper. Check out the link in the episode notes. I will also put it in my Instagram bio in the link tree. Click that link and it will give you 30% off your first year of service. Super stoked to have DistroKid sponsoring the podcast and can't thank them enough for their support of this thing. This episode of the podcast is also sponsored by Produce Row Cafe here in Portland, Oregon. This has become one of my favorite local hangs because they have free music every Wednesday night from 6 to 8 p.m. and Sunday afternoons 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. They are located in inner southeast Portland and not only do they offer free music on their their large patio setup, but they've also got a killer brunch menu from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. on Saturdays and Sundays. The French toast and the breakfast sandwich are lights out. And I can't really do much alcohol personally, but I love their Virgin Bloody Marys. And they've got some other mocktails for folks like me as well. And they're always rotating in new seasonal cocktails. So come through and check out what they've got on deck for fall and winter down there. The patio is now nice, covered and heated and will be throughout the fall and winter so come through and big thanks to produce row for sponsoring this episode of the podcast What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the program once again. If this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the show. You can find fresh episodes coming at you on the weekly. And if you want to help support this thing any free way, you can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes, clicking write a review, giving the podcast five stars if you feel like it is deserving of so. And that will help propel this thing into the tops of those iTunes charts, which will give it more visibility on the national and international levels, helping strangers find the podcast and just a great way to contribute to the growth and sustainability of this thing. Appreciate the hell out of all of you that have taken the time to do so. If you're not listening on Apple, just hit like, follow, subscribe wherever you are listening from. 
podcast is available on Spotify now. And I've been dropping some monthly playlists on Spotify as well. Those links are in the episode notes. You can find them every first of the month. So the June one is out. I've been uh, making sure those hit the Apple feed as well. So the links for Spotify and Apple playlists in the episode notes. Hope everybody is doing well out there. I am uh, about a week now back in Portland, Oregon, settling in. Had a buddy visit for uh, about five days as soon as I got back. So that was a a cool way to return to uh, a childhood friend. And we got some uh, really dope hiking in while he was here. Hit some new hikes that I had not been to before. Silver Falls. I don't want to uh, let the, the the secret out about Silver Falls because it seems like maybe it doesn't get as much attention as the stuff in the uh, in the Columbia Gorge. But uh, that hike, you you see like ten or eleven waterfalls. It was it was incredible. Seven and a half miles or so, and uh, just well worth it. Very amazing loop. See all kinds of. Uh, different waterfalls and uh, some pretty good size ones probably some of the biggest ones I've seen on any hikes out here in the Pacific Northwest so that was really dope shout out to Trent for uh, putting me on to that trail Ron and I really enjoyed that and then yeah had Black Hippie who were on the podcast maybe a few weeks ago. I got the opportunity to host them here as they were touring through Portland, Oregon. So they were here the last couple nights. So it's been busy since I've gotten back, but uh, I've had some time to myself a little bit these last couple days, which has been pretty nice and excited to bring you episode 312 i've got e lundquist aka eric borders aka captain supernova aka ebo on the podcast this week great producer and multi-instrumentalist out of los angeles california got to hang with eric a couple weeks back when i was dog sitting out at my uncle's house in santa monica and had a really great backyard hang with this dude enjoyed getting to know him after learning about his music through dan englander head of king underground records who i've been working for and in communication with for the last two or three years king underground put out the debut record from e lundquist multiple images just a, a couple months back it's one of my favorite albums i've gotten to work on during my time at ku and also really rad that just a couple days after this chat with uh, E. Lundquist, I got to hang with Dan Englander, who was in town all the way from Milton Keys, England, and got to meet him and hang with him for a night after, uh, you know, just FaceTiming it and Google meeting with this dude for the last couple years. It was really cool to finally uh, be in the same room as him and uh, excited to hopefully get to keep meeting up with that dude in the future king underground's been uh putting out some really great music looking forward to the new robo hands record that's about to drop as well so if you dig the music that you hear on this i would definitely take a dive into the whole king underground catalog i'll make sure that's included in the episode notes as well and uh, we're gonna get into my chat 
with Elonquist here momentarily. If you're in the uh, Portland, Oregon area and you want to see some free live music, come through Produce Row every Thursday night, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. You can catch the Jeff Chilton Trio there every first Thursday. And we've got DJs over there from noon to 2 spinning vinyl. And you can catch me this Sunday. I'll be uh, DJing over at North 45 from 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. And the following Saturday, I will be over at Mayfly. Stoked for that one. I'll be DJing over there from 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. It's Portland Beer Week, so I think that's going to be a really cool event and an opportunity to DJ and select some jams in a in a space I haven't been in before. So I'm pumped for that one. That is June 25th. Keep up with me for more of my DJ dates. And before we get into this thing, I just want to also give a uh, big shout to my friend Isabeau Wayu Walker. She has been on this podcast a couple times before. She's one of my favorite artists out of Portland, and she had her album release this uh, past weekend at the Alberta Abbey here in Portland, Oregon. It was my first time going to a show at the Alberta Abbey. Brown Calculus opened, which was really cool, but... uh, one of the most impactful shows that I've been to since moving to Portland. It was just uh, such a beautiful night. So I would encourage you to check out Isabel's new record. It's called Body. It's available on all the streaming services. There's also maybe some vinyls left. I know she just put out the pre-order for that thing. And uh, she's someone that people tend to uh throw their support towards so i wouldn't be surprised if all those vinyls were gone but uh just a really incredible night of music over there and just a really thoughtful performance and uh yeah it just kind of blew my mind and i was uh really excited that i was able to witness that in person very inspiring and uh just one of those shows i will not forget and we're going to get into this chat with Eric. Appreciated hearing how early this dude got turned on to uh, some music that was maybe a little more underground. It's cool when you get exposed to things outside of the mainstream that you latch on to as a, as a younger person. I think that's got to help add to your your taste or developing your style. And it seems like he's had... Some really cool mentors along the way, including Adrian Young, who he mentions in the conversation, who is the the drummer from No Doubt. So enough of my rambling. So let's let's get into this one. Episode 312. Elonquist is on the podcast, and we're gonna kick it off with a track called Silhouette off that multiple images album. Links are in the episode notes. Let's do the damn thing.
too, but you know. I'm okay. Then this this podcast is gonna hear really weird. <laughs> I bought all this weed during the pandemic, and just like I don't know, maybe it was just because it's the pandemic. <laughs> but I just like got so paranoid, man. I was like, dude, maybe weed's not for me. Man. Yeah, I still have those times, and I just think that's like part of the fun sometimes. It's like, oh, my life feels like a movie yeah. today. Like uh, a couple, a few days ago, when I flew back from New Orleans to getting over to the West Coast again, yeah. I uh, I had to take a lift out of the Orange County Airport, and I don't know if I just like was being a little oversensitive or if I just like to took one too many rips off this vape pen before I got into the lift because I usually yeah. get pretty car sick so I'll like try to get really stoned if I'm having to be in the back seat of a car and that like does the trick every time but I got into this lift and immediately this dude was making me feel very uncomfortable and I was taking like a 45 minute lift ride from like Orange County to here yeah. and I before we even left the terminals I asked this dude to let me out of the car and i was just like yo dude i don't feel like comfortable with this he was like texting the whole time out of the parking lot telling me he had a, a problem with the previous uber passenger and i was just like yeah i'm not this is a lift like bring up the lift app i don't like this i don't know what's happening you're you can't understand me you uh like are hard of hearing i i don't know what's happening like oh, yeah i don't know maybe maybe a little oversensitive <laughs> maybe a little overly paranoid no, yeah, I, I think sometimes you get those weird drivers, definitely. <laughs> that was the first Uber. time. Um, I don't know. I think, yeah, weed is probably just not for me. That's what I just realized. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like you're you're making music for the uh, the stoners, though, at times. Oh, you know? no. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, I don't know. I, you know, I always felt like I made like the more psychedelic music when I used to smoke weed all the time and then you'd stop smoking weed. And then during that time when you stop smoking weed, that's when like all the ideas with the dark psychedelic stuff would come out of, you know, um, that short, I guess, withdrawal period of, yeah. you know, being <laughs> used to smoking weed all the time. But, but what I was going to say is like this weed now is like crazy. It's super weed. Sometimes it's too much. I go into the dispensary and they're like, but do you want the one that's like 38% THC? And I'm just like, no, I'm not trying to get blasted like that. Like, I'm trying to uh, go about my day and still uh, get some things the vape, done. the vape pen, too. It's like, it's really hard to Creep gauge. up on you. Yeah, it's really hard to gauge. It's like, it feels like a like an e-cigarette where you're just kind of like, uh, uh, and then the next thing you know, you're like, oh, my God, like, I'm so high yeah. right now. Or I'll do that thing where I go outside with somebody that smokes cigarettes, mm -hmm. and I'll bring a joint out. And then, like, realize that I've smoked this whole joint by myself <laughs> while they've smoked their whole yeah. cigarette. And it's just like, oh, I yeah, did it's like a, the a whole social thing. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But, uh, yeah, man, it's cool to, like, finally meet you in person. I feel like we've been DMing back and forth or yeah, emailing for back sure. and forth for the last, like, four to six months. And I've gotten acquainted with your music. Um, and my so, story as well. You know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So it's like, I don't know, it's cool to uh, to get to meet in person and i don't know it's like one of the the rad things i've gotten to do is start like working with dan yeah. at king underground for like the last 
year and a half or, or so and like and getting to what's, connect what's so cool is that you're literally down the street from me yeah it took me two <laughs> minutes to drive here <laughs> just staying down and what also is crazy is dan englander is in la too right. and i just saw him you know uh last weekend and so. that dude's from london <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's from way far away i was supposed to link with him as well for the first time that which is like also wild to just be like working with this dude for the last couple of years and yeah. finally getting to link yeah, up with him you. but working with him man he he's like exposed me to so much cool music that i don't really feel like i necessarily would have stumbled upon yeah. and uh is just giving me the opportunity to like work with all these artists that like i really appreciate their music and you're one of the those people oh, like thanks, one of those man. cool people it. that i've encountered and um like genuinely fuck with like a lot of the stuff that i've gotten to work on project wise and yours is like definitely one of those standout releases like this multiple awesome, images Thanks, record dude. as far as the stuff that i've gotten to participate in uh my time at, at ku it's, it's uh awesome, definitely one that, that sticks Thanks. out dude so i'm stoked to kind of like dive into the record but also uh yeah like talk to me about what you were doing before you started putting music out under E. Lundquist. I know you have like yeah, the Captain it's, it's Supernova been a, it's stuff. It's been a long journey. Yeah. yeah it's been a long journey. But like where, um, where do we, uh, where's it, where's it start, Eric? <laughs> yeah. So um, it's crazy because I was just writing, I was doing a um, an interview for a magazine and I had, and I just copy and pasted all of the biographies that people have written for me, including yours, and just kind of like sent it off. And I was like, that's sufficient, right? And then the person, you know, wrote back and was like, actually, can you like really write it out? Like, I know you just, I, you, you're plagiarizing right now <laughs> on your own interview. Yeah, you know, it seems like that's what a lot of people do though for <laughs> these write, like write-ups these days. Yeah. I'll see a lot of stuff where it's like, I think that you just use the bio they sent you <laughs> and use that as the piece <laughs> yeah i try to get away with that but um yeah i mean it's it's kind of a long story um but yeah i mean i grew up you know uh west la area i grew up in westchester which is right next to the lax airport and uh you know went to high school at saint monica's out here in santa monica so yeah so just like a little bit about my background I'm half Mexican and half white. Um, I don't look any Mexican at all, but that's kind of like a big part of, you know, like growing up and being from L.A. and, um, you know, being around just like diversity, I feel like. And I feel like that definitely kind of reflects on my music, um, especially kind of I feel like Santa Monica, Venice, um, you know, those areas. Like I feel like I grew up in a di diverse area, um, although L.A. is very segregated. So, yeah, so when I was growing up, you know, music was always, you know, important to me. Like, I had a guitar. We had a piano in the house. And um, I always, I think I always just, like, wanted, was curious. But my parents, I think, didn't understand that I wanted to, like, you know, fully go and make music and or practice music or learn about music. Yeah. Um, my sister was actually the one. She was the one who was in plays, who had vocal lessons. And so um, I Old, think like... Older or younger? Older. Okay. Older. So she was actually five years older than me. So, um, so yeah. So, like, I think a lot of the stuff that she was doing was definitely, like, a lot more kind of advanced that I was, like, processing. You know, like, when I was... I don't know, when I was like five, you know, she was, she's 10. She's like listening to, you know, early like hip hop records and stuff like yeah. that. And like showing me like 
who Snoop Dogg is and stuff like that, you know? So, like, I have these, like, like remembering, like, how it felt, like, listening to those songs, like, you know, MC Hammer, like, you know, the commercial kind of stuff. That was, like, kind of, like, the first, like, hip-hop records. But my dad was really into classic rock, and my mom was, like, really into, like, soul music. And... Um, I think like all those kind of like combinations of, you know, you know, being from L.A., you know, with my background kind of definitely reflected on, you know, the music that I want to make today. Um, and then, yeah, just kind of like I was really into sports. So like baseball, basketball, football, I was always playing sports. So I never really I feel like I never really had time for music. And um, my senior year of high school, um, I got in an accident, so I was I was in the back seat of uh, of a, my friend was driving, right here on Lincoln and Jefferson. Got in an accident, and I had internal bleeding and had to have like crazy surgery. It was all like I thought it was okay. I thought I was gonna be fine, and then it all like turned out it was not. Um, so during that time, I just didn't have anything to do. You know, it was like it was like a really really long healing process. And so I found, you know, music to be like the healing process. I was, um, I was like downloading like sheets of music of like classical music and like learning how to play. And, um, that's kind of like really where I guess like the obsession started of like wanting to play. And from there, um, and I, I kind of like at this time too, like all my friends were like super into hip hop, like high school, um, everybody was like rapping. So it was like, you know, I got with my friends, like started like our early like recordings, you know, it's like we had a microphone hooked up to the computer and we're like rapping over, you know, Jedi mind trick beats and like, yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, for sure. So like up until that point, were you just like, did you gravitate towards music in a way that you were always listening and kind of like seeking out music and yeah so i was i was the weird kid for sure like everybody's like listening to like 50 cent like eminem and i'm like you know mad villain mf doom you know like other my other friends would be listening and be like dude what are you listening to like you're (laughs) weird man i'd be like no dude this is like this is dope man you need to like you need to check this out um so yeah so like definitely kind of like i guess you know, those sub genres and like, you know, being a part of that community, like early on, um, was definitely something I like latched onto. I think, you know, actually like just thinking back on it, it's like skateboarding was a big part of it, you know, skateboarding culture. So it was like those 411 videos. I used to get the 411 videos all the time. And it was always like classic rock songs that would kind of be in it or like some punk rock songs. But, um, I remember, uh, the first time listening to Dr. Octagon and I was like, whoa, like blue flowers like what the hell is this (laughs) what the hell is this you know and i was like in seventh grade and i was just um you know like you get like your birthday present and you get like a gift card you know to go to borders bookstore barnes and nobles or something like that (laughs) and i was like dude i gotta get this dr octagon record (laughs) i gotta get this i hope my mom lets me buy this dr octagon record and um yeah man i think that record it was totally like totally like not for me at that time like for like a seventh grade kid like i listen to that record now i'm like damn i was seventh grade this record's so fucked up yeah <laughs> you know? do you think that was also just because your sister was putting you on to like so much shit early on 
a bit, yeah, like the Snoop Dogg stuff. Like, obviously, there's like a lot of cussing, a yeah. lot of stuff that was kind of like. But I think that's what made it. Obviously, it was what made it cool. Made you it know? hard. Yeah, made it, yeah, yeah. Like, I feel like you and I must be around the same age because I, I'm about to be 37. Graduated 03. Yeah. So like we're the same. I'm 36. I, okay. Cool. It, 86. 1986. Uh, I always I didn't realize it at the time, but I I just like feel so grateful that we did kind of like grow up in the era where the radio was still really important. Yeah. And especially growing up outside of Los Angeles, even like having power one Oh six, like one yeah. of the coolest hip hop stations in the nation or just yeah, like 92.3. Yeah. And just like, even the way, you know, like K rock was like this huge radio station syndicated around the country that would like yeah. make and break artists and, and yeah, stuff definitely. like that. So I just like, remember also having people, you know, similar to like your sister, just older people in my life that were putting me on to music at like like such a young age. So yeah. it like, I think about some of my first CDs and they're you know I'm like eight and I have Operation Ivy and like yeah. the early rancid stuff and it's like oh cool like I had some like decent <laughs> like CDs when I was eight yeah. years old getting like put onto this stuff or like the hip hop stuff yeah, that was, you're talking about. Yeah, it was about, definitely you know? like the skateboarding thing. I think was definitely like the into. Um, like there was a lot of music that I probably listened to that I, you know, I thought I liked or was just like listening to it because everybody else was liking it. It's, it's funny. Cause when you're so young, you're so easily persuaded. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> Oh, this is cool. Like, yeah. You know? So it's like, um, yeah, you know, you know what's funny about that is that like I hear a lot of interviews when other people are talking and they're like, there was like, yeah, you know, like early on I was listening to like all this, like, like crazy underground hip hop stuff. And I was like, how like that's so <laughs> I, it doesn't that doesn't process right. for me you know yeah um like so i think all of that happened and like a real like genuine love love for music happened when i was in high school were, were you like fucking around in, on instruments at all here i and mean there? i had a guitar and i would learn from one of my buddies and it's funny so my dad got me a guitar um and because i really really wanted to learn how to play and he got me a guitar got he i didn't even have an amp but he just got me the guitar and i really wanted to get lessons but you know he couldn't afford to get lessons and i think at two i was just like so wrapped up in sports he really just kind of like didn't think anything of it you know it was like oh at least he's using it he's playing it but um my dad was like oh he wants to learn i'm gonna get so my dad was like really into like some like fusion jazz stuff so he got al dimiello um like tutorial guitar tape you know and i just remember sitting there and playing it and i'm just like whoa like this is insane like i have no idea what he's doing what he's talking about like <laughs> and it's funny that video is up on youtube now so anybody who's listening go check it out because it's <laughs> al Miello is like uh, an amazing virtuoso guitar player and um that tape i don't know who like what you would learn from that as a beginner is just super advanced. Um, but yeah, like from there, I think it just kind of like, I still have that guitar today. I still use that guitar. Um, so I think it just kind of like, I'm really grateful for that just to be like introduced to that. Like my dad, like allowed me to be introduced to that guitar and like just playing it, holding it, um, that feeling. Um, I think that in itself was, more beneficial than any you know lesson that i got or anything like that 
you know and then the piano being in the house like that was like really important i feel like too because it was like um you know just playing it just like i just remember sitting there and just like playing it just like listening to the sounds on the piano um and then yeah just kind of like you know fast forwarding um you know when i was when i was injured it was like it was the only thing i could do you know i was like doing that for hours and then that really kind of like pushed me and propelled me like okay like um you know i want to like create music i want to make a beat like i want to try something so then college i um my girlfriend at the time who's actually my wife now um she knew that i was like really interested in wanting to make music and she got she got me reason so i got reason and that was like you know groundbreaking of just like learning how to like put a beat together you know learning like you know these different modules that are i loved reason i still like think reason is like one of the best DAWs. because it has that rack and you can pull open the rack and it feels like you're touching and looking at um you know analog gear and um you know from there i got gifted all these records and then it was like oh i gotta sample this you know so it was like sampling records and i had a couple friends who were rapping and then it was like oh well like we should do we should like make some music so we started making music and then we always had this thing like you know going to shows going to see hip-hop shows it was always like boring you know it was like just like a dj or not even a dj you know someone would just have like a cd player yeah <laughs> play their beats and you know rap and it was like dude this is boring you know like there needs to be something else so that's when I started meeting musicians from CSUN. I went to Cal State Northridge out here and started meeting musicians um, to like be a backing band, you know? So once that kind of started, it was like mixing samples and, um, you know, like playing like <clears throat> synth lines within the group. Um, and then, I mean, it all just kind of like evolved, you know, yeah. like we did, um, we did a record which was like kind of more hip hop based and um like a lot of the members have kind of like all circulated and um moved out of the group and we've gotten new members throughout time but basically we did this cover of something about us this daft punk song and um i honestly at that time i hadn't i, I didn't even know like i knew um uh, one more time but i didn't know like any other daft punk songs and i just thought i just thought of daft punk as being like you know um just dance music yeah. you know so we took one of those songs and uh we just like jazzed it up like totally jazzed it up and at the time um it was like slowly like getting recognition and people were looking at it and um and then after a while it just went viral it just went like viral so i think right now it's like seven million views oh, wow. and still like people are you know oh yeah listening to it and stuff like that um and then yeah that brought us all these really cool opportunities we got to go to uh, jakarta and play out in jakarta jakarta jazz festival which is like one of the biggest festivals in the world and we got to play with stanley clark george duke we shared a bus with george duke and stanley <laughs> clark um so is this like your first experience playing music with other people then yeah yeah totally what a my, to my first experience like being in a band playing with other people i mean like it took a while to get to the point of like okay we're gonna make a record and stuff like yeah. that um and there was other people that i was like working with then it didn't really work out you know and then you kind of meet other people 
Um, so yeah, like I think my playing like really happened like with ear, like just for my ear, you know. And um, when I was in the group, I was, you know, I kind of wanted to have a bigger role than just like playing samples. Yeah. And um, like the synth synthesis was always kind of like big, um, you know, for me and learning more about it and growing with that. But um, the biggest thing was Talkbox. So I play Talkbox in the group. And that's, I think, what kind of like, you know, really pushed me to like, okay, I like we're going to do, you know, California Love. And I'm going to learn like the whole ending, the remix part, like that whole ending part. And so that like, I feel like really pushed me to like, I don't know, be a better musician. And yeah, just kind of like let me, it let me know that. You know, you don't have to be like an incredibly talented person, you know, like I think that's like this perception, especially with music or any art is you have to be like an incredibly talented person. But just from practice and being dedicated, I think anybody could do it. You know, anybody could, you know, make something beautiful and make something amazing. Um, It's just trial and error. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Putting in the work. Putting in the work. And yeah, figuring out what you dig doing too yeah. like i think that's yeah. seems to be a big taste, part of it too I think the taste part of it is huge well and it seems like also that you just like there was no other thing like you were just immersing yourself yeah. in the music and making the music that's obviously like where you were gravitating towards yeah, doing with your it's, time it's like a safe place you yeah know? it was like a safe place like going to you know those those i just remember like rock the bells i yeah. mean you were out here like rock yeah. the bells was like it was like my Woodstock, you know, sure. like I was like seeing all the groups that we got to see at those, those festivals was just like incredible. Like, you know, just like the roots, Feral Monch, Immortal Technique. I mean, Rage played Rage. one of their reunion I went, shows I went, there. I went to the Rage show. No, my, my homie was there for sure. <laughs> like he was insane. Insane. But yeah, man, like, are you always seeking something that's like going to be most engaging for you, especially like when you're playing live? Cause it seemed like you didn't just want to play the samples that like you wanted to figure out, yeah. like put the synth lines down and like, just make it, you know, just so, a really fun thing. to so see I think visually. at that, I think at that time with the group, it was all about like, okay, like, you know, I think like hip hop has like that feeling, you know, it's just like you create a beat or create something. It's not so much about like, the music that goes into it i mean it is but it's not it's like it's that feeling yeah you know you could have like one chord or a couple of notes and you still have that feeling that you get from like a hip-hop track and i think that's kind of what my motivation was was to fulfill that like to make that whatever like a dj premiere beat and alchemist beat or whatever it was you know um and then that kind of i think led of like what you're saying of like finding where the sample was from finding where that record's from oh and like listening to just like the complexity of it and being like oh hey like can i do that like can i can i create something as complex as that am i is that possible um and so yeah like with the help of all my friends i feel like they gave me the confidence to like want to try you know and i think the talk box was definitely like a a point where it allowed me to like, you know, not just be confined to a sample and where I could kind of explore outside of that sample or explore in a scale and expressing myself yeah. in a ter- particular kind of way. Um, 
like going viral and like getting all that recognition, like um, you know, touring and all that stuff. It was kind of there was pressure, you know. There was like, oh, like we have to do this again. Like we have to get another million hits. Yeah. What do we have to do to get that other million hits? You know, like we all in the band really wanted it to be like our career. So it was like, what can we do to make this our career? Putting those pressures on it. Yeah, okay. yeah. So I think at that point, like it started a little to not be so much fun. Yeah, you know. Um, and we were also too we were um the backing band for uh med and j and j rock okay so we got to do um we got to do like a boiler room set and we got to do some stuff with them and like at that time there was like a lot of stuff for us that was going on it was like we were super pumped and then uh two of the members left the group and then i think at that point i was just like i was done you know like because I, I was the one who was mainly holding everything together being the band leader putting the rehearsals together, you know, basically managing us to, um, and trying to, you know, really catapult it into like being something that's really successful. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it just didn't happen, I guess, you know, maybe if we kept pushing at it, you know, who knows, but, um, it kind of led me into this phase of where I was making music where I was just experimenting, you know, with synthesizers and, um, you know, whether it be like kind of like jazz funk or like disco or different styles of music, you know? And, and I was like, I didn't want any, I didn't want any rap. I didn't want any hip hop. I didn't want like anyone rapping over it, yeah. but it was definitely like influenced by like hip hop or I'd per se. Um, but yeah, so then from there, um, you know, it was kind of like coming up with a name. It's like, oh, what is, what is, doesn't feel like, you know, Ebo, I go by Ebo, um, Eric Borders. So e, there's the E and the B-O. So that's what I've always been by, gone by. And then I was like, this doesn't feel like, you know, like Ebo. Like, so I had this idea of Captain Supernova. So the Captain Supernova stuff was to be like, you know, like space themed, sci-fi. Yeah. Um, it was a story of an astronaut who goes and explores space with synthesizers. I was, know, was, I was listening <laughs> to those records today, man. Like, <laughs> cool. And I was curious about that too. So that, that's cool that, you know, like there was that, like not only a concept, maybe necessarily for one individual record, but the project itself, mm. like being the astronaut that goes and explores yeah. with synthesizers and whatnot. Yeah. 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 It was, it was definitely like left field kind of idea of like at that point where it was, you know, trying to recreate the success we already had. It was just, it was freeing. It was freeing like to go by a different name. Um, and then as well to keep it all mysterious. So like at the beginning phases, like I didn't show my face at all. It was just like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> um, to try to keep it as mysterious as possible. Yeah. And definitely like, you know, I would say like, you know, the Dr. Octagons, the MF Dooms, you know, um, even too like the Daft Punks, you know, that definitely played a big influence on that. Trying to create like some of that mystique. Yeah, and, yeah, the gorillas. Yeah, you know, to have just a just a name. I, I know there's a lot of features and whatnot like listed on the like throughout those records, but were you mostly making all that music on your own? Um, as so far as the instrumentation, first, the first record, the first record, um, it was. Mm, mainly like the keys since um some of the drum programming and stuff was my was myself but the the one person that i've linked up with like throughout everything is scott scott fulton he's the one who's playing bass okay so he's i think he's been like 
like my partner like throughout all of this so like who, through multiple images yes he plays all scott of scott's killing on the <laughs> yes. like oh yes yeah yes some, he's some killing bass lines throughout like the entire catalog oh, of what you've done so. yeah yeah he's he's amazing he's amazing and uh, um i think like if anybody to get like the recognition with all this stuff like scott deserves so much more recognition i feel like because not only like was he like playing like on all these on all the tracks and everything like that but it's like a lot of it is just like the conversations we've had we've had you know hey what do you think of this or hey what do you think of that or like you know like bouncing back ideas and um like writing stuff together and just like being really comfortable and I mean, we always had that with the group before, but, um, you know, a lot of the other members like wanted to go and do their own, their own kind of stuff and kind of, you know, be free yeah. from the group, um, from that pressure as well. Um, but no, I linked up with a lot of other people from the band, uh, Ryan Kern, who's also on multiple images. He was from the group as well. And, um, yeah, he, he's doing like a lot of really cool stuff. He writes, like he wrote music, he wrote all like the strings and horn stuffs for the voice and been doing that for like a really long time he plays with um this pop artist uh carly hansen i believe her name is she's like really young like super talented so he tours with her yeah it's cool that you you have that though um that like sort of creative relationship with people i think like it's like no matter what you're doing just like have someone to bounce those ideas off that is maybe like in a similar realm to like really like flesh those things out and definitely help you realize what's good in the ideas and whatnot yeah definitely definitely i mean scott's been like the anchor for all that for sure and then yeah um julian who was um the drummer earlier on in bts like i've always kept like a really close relationship with him and he plays on the voyage never ends um so he plays drums on everything on that record and then scott's on that so it's basically like us three who are like the real the the like just the the backing um band for everything and then um yeah angela angela is like she plays on this multiple images as well, but she yeah, she did like a lot of the songwriting, um, and we worked on tons of stuff together. So um, it's cool to still have a relationship with her, and she's doing a lot of like super amazing stuff right now outside of music. So yeah, it's like there's just so many connections that I made with yeah. the Captain Supernova stuff up until right now. Another super huge thing too is um, Soul Circle Radio. So I I used to do a radio show with my buddy Mizza, DJ Mizza. And um, we used to broadcast out of the Art Forum studio. Um, it's Adrian Young's, um, it's his, it's a record store slash hair salon. And so it used nice. to be over in the little Tokyo area. Okay. And that's where we started, you know, just doing, um, you know, we'd, we'd have like DJs come in, do a set, and, um, and then have an interview after. And that whole kind of just, being around them, being around artists, like allowed me to just meet all these different people and allowed me to like really get all of the opportunities that I had to release these albums on labels, um, link with different artists. Um, and then, yeah, like, you know, that's been super huge. And then I think one of the biggest things too was linking up with, uh, Mark DeClive Lowe. So, um, I was Mark DeClive Lowe's like tech like just setting up his gear and stuff like that. And it, 
who was like he just like randomly like put it up on Facebook like hey I need some help like I threw out my back and da 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 I was like you know like I'm a huge fan so I was like oh dude this is like my perfect opportunity what is he uh, known from so he's a, he's he's a, like a virtuoso jazz piano player but um he's also like really into like electronic music and he's done like a lot of the broken beat stuff which is like okay. now like really like yeah. starting to get popular um again um so like in the uk with like all the broken beat stuff he was like a really big part of that scene um but also but he plays with like so many different cats you know like he's really 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 good um so yeah so like linking up with him i i didn't really show my music to him but um you know, it's just like, you know, helping him at his gigs. And he has like the most craziest setup, just so much stuff. It's like a whole puzzle piece to put everything together. And um, I was like really nervous to kind of like show him my music. I was like, oh, you know, like there's going to be that moment. Like I'm like, I'm going to show it to him. And so I showed it to him and he was like, yeah, you know, you know, it's it's, it's okay. It's okay. I was like, oh, dude, it was like kind of like crushing. I was like, damn. Um, but it, But it was like perfect. It was like definitely like pushing me because I was like okay like well then I was like talking to him I was like well you know well what do you think could be better you know and he's like well well why why don't we have lessons like why don't I like sit in and like give you some lessons you know so um, I was able to you know get some lessons with him and then that kind of went into like me showing him ideas and him being like oh I think this could be better or yeah. I think this could be better. and then it was like oh like. I had like a solo on the record. He'd be like, "Well, that wasn't that solo wasn't very good. You want me to play on it?" I'm like, Hell yeah, dude! Get uh, on it. <laughs> what do you think? Uh, like he was able to help you kind of unlock within yourself. I think pushing me musically, like harmonically, and um, just to like, like it definitely like giving me that confidence. Um, Cause I, this is another thing like living in LA, like, you know, I'm like, I'm from LA, you know, there's not too many like people yeah, who are from right, LA, yeah. you know? So it's like, LA is like very clicky. Like there's all these different clicks, like within all these different scenes. A lot of people like moving that. in and out real quick too. Yeah. 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 So many people from so many different areas coming and going. I, I always kind of like with, with balance and traveling sounds, like I never like quite felt like accepted, you know? And I don't know, like having Mark on a song, like it just brought that, I guess, prestige yeah. where it was like, okay, like now KCRW is playing my stuff, you know, now um, other avenues are opening up now. Like you kind of just like felt like the, the level of, you know, what I was creating was at a higher level with just collaborating with him yeah. that just brought more confidence, you know? Um, and then, yeah, like that whole part of it too was like, you know, I think we were asking this earlier on kind of like, what was the motivation for like, you know, writing the songs. And, um, I think, you know, tr trying to cr recreate that, that success or that the views, the numbers, like all that kind of thought process was all just like kicked out the door and it was like, okay, well like, let's create something that I didn't think I could do. You know, let's create yeah. something more complex. Let's create, you know, like like jazz funk, like a like like these these record these samples that you know I was always listening to and thinking like, hey, is that possible? So that's kind of I think how that led into 
that record. Yeah, man. I think like that's when you know you start making like the real good shit too like when you stop worrying about yeah like the numbers and the monetary value of something and you just start you know you're just making the stuff that you really enjoy and whatnot and there's like not that pressure on it it seems like that's when yeah. like the cool stuff starts to like unfold and maybe Definitely. like differently than you thought it was going to but i don't know it, and then yeah that must have been validating for him to be like you must have known that the track was good when he actually wanted to participate on it. He was going to like throw his name on shit that yeah. like he didn't think was good. Yeah, for sure. Not going to be a good look for him. Yeah, definitely. And, and it was, it was cool too, because I had other people at that point, like tell me like, Hey man, you should do a track with Mark. Like before any of this happened, I was like, yeah, like that's never going to happen. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. Um, and then, yeah, he, he actually got me the opportunity to put out the record on Ropadope. So he was he was signed to Rope Adult at that time, and just had put out um, he just had put out a record, and then got me in contact with um, um, I'm blanking on the, the the owner's name, but he got me in contact with him, and then that's how I was able to release that record on Rope Adult. Um, yeah, it was all like super amazing, and like I got to, so I got to go out to the UK for work. And while I was out there, I was just promoting the record. This was in um, late 2019. So, yeah, just like I got out to go on Jazz FM. Um, I got to go on Soho Radio. And it just so happened that at that time, DJ Mizza, my buddy that I do the radio show with, was out in the UK at the same time. He was in London at the same time that I was. It was just totally ironic. And uh, Mizza is the one who knows Dan. Okay. So... Mizza invited Dan to the radio show. I was just like, hey, you know, like we're going to this radio show, like come out, da da da. So like me and Mizza are just like we're like like two brothers, like we're just like make fun of each other the whole entire time. Like it's pretty much like our <laughs> <you> know, like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's that it's that situation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like bringing in Dan to just kind of like see us like shoot the shit like the yeah. whole entire time. I think Dan like I don't know. He just like we all just got along really well, oh. you know. Like we just were just just hanging out, and um, you know we got to play the record on the radio show, and that was Dan's first time listening to the music, and he's like, "Damn, this is really dope." And so I just remember like after the the the, the radio show, he's like, "Yo, you want to do a record?" And I was like, "Dude, like I haven't like I think the the release date for the record was like the next week," and I'm like thinking in my head, I'm like, "Dude, I haven't even like." put out this record yet like i'm not ready for another yeah. record <laughs> still trying to process this one yeah exactly yeah man that uh that doors in the doors track on doors of perception from oh, the captured thanks. supernova yeah. stuff is one of my favorites oh uh, thanks man from from that era of things yeah yeah i dig that one a yeah lot. it's definitely gone through multiple like phases for sure and like i feel like there's so many different kind of styles of different stuff yeah i feel like that one was definitely kind of like more of the library kind of sounding kind of thing you know yeah like uh like a maybe like a early 80s library kind of like a bruton kind of stuff
meeting Dan for the first time. He told me that he wanted to make a record. And then, you know, we leave the UK, come back home, and I start doing all these shows and starts getting a lot, a lot of momentum. And I'm like, dope. Like, I'm playing, like, you know, some, some different shows. Like, people, like, other bands wanted to book me on their show, and I was like, dope. And then the pandemic happened. <laughs> <laughs> like, amongst all that, were you, would you be doing DJ sets and stuff? I was like, doing DJ throughout sets. Throughout yeah. all of uh, yeah, making mean, like, the Captain Supernova stuff. And yeah, I do DJ sets here and there, but it was... Like, I would never, like, really consider myself a DJ. Like, I just like to play, like, rare stuff, you know? Like, a selector. Yeah. Um, and sharing it is always so much fun. But, like, I always feel like... I don't know. Like, I like I always feel like I'm, I'm not a DJ. Like, I'm not, like, really, like, mixing, like, these records properly. <laughs> I hear you. I, I kind of... I don't know. That's kind of my lane. I feel like as far as the DJing that I'm doing, just like with Serato and a controller, I'm just like, I don't know, man, I like this music. So I think it'd be cool if it was playing at this bar or whatever. And, and, you know, I'll do like a club set if I need to. That's not necessarily like what I love to do. I think I like, like doing the loungy stuff. Yeah. I mean, yeah, now it's so much, it's, it's so much easier, you know, like syncing stuff up and having that technology um yeah like i have like a really big you know record collection and that's like my favorite thing to do is like sharing records with people and then the radio show really kind of like allowed me to do that you know so like having that kind of setup of just like playing records and fading into the next tr- yeah. songs you know <laughs> talking in between the songs yeah um yeah i love i love doing that amongst all of that like all the different stuff you were doing musically like with the the previous group to captain supernova and were you always like playing guitar still oh i got so yeah so like i just started playing guitar because like like, that seems like such a big (laughs) fucking part of like the multiple images record well well, i got better i got different guitar players on that okay yeah that's not me all right that's not me. Yeah, I was just uh, kind of like... I would like to take credit for that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, I just learned and... Learned. <laughs> no, that just like seems like something that's like really showcased uh, yes. on the oh, multiple definitely. images record is like definitely. these... Uh, dude, I got some like super killer cats on the record. Um, the, the one dude who's super amazing is uh, Andrew Levin. He's out in the Bay. And, oh, uh, man, he just rips. Super, super amazing player like i had a lot of the stuff i would write like a melody out or um different parts out um and they would just like he would come in and just like one take it like we do because this was all over zoom you know we're like doing zoom calls like during the pandemic and yeah just like one take just like kills the solo so yeah so that's kind of like how it like let in was like the pandemic happened i was kind of like I was like, damn, like this, nothing, like my music's done. Like, I don't know what else is going to happen. Like, I was just kind of like, you know, how it was. It was like, when is this going to end? Is it going to be a week? Is it going to be two weeks? What's going to happen? And so, and then, yeah, I really didn't have the idea of like, oh, damn, like, like I'm going to make another record. Um, when the pandemic happened, I was like, well, I don't have anything else to do. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, I booked all these drum sessions with another drummer that I had in mind. And I was like thinking like, okay, a month goes by, then like we can get in the studio. And like all this time, like I've been hitting up Dan, like we've been kind of talking back and forth, like 
like what what we're gonna try to do yeah you know? timeline and things yeah. and- i think dan i think dan was really nervous too i think he was like i don't have no idea what he's gonna come up with because you know? <laughs> like well, i was trying to like book these drum yeah. sessions like get these drums in well it must have like forced like a different sort of creativity on you to like make the record yeah that totally. way and dan was like r- like he was really hands-on with everything and i never really had that before so it it made I think it really made the record feel very consistent. Like the consistency on the record, I feel like from any of my other stuff, it's like everything's very solid. Like it all it all like literally was like, you know, in the same like time frame. And I don't know, I just feel like the record feels like that, you know? Um and then I, I limited myself with like synthesizers and stuff. Like I was kinda like, I'm just gonna use these ones. You know, whereas the Captain Supernova yeah. stuff was like I'm trying everything, yeah, and like let's make like really big, like sounding stuff, you know. Yeah. Do you find like both of those things still valuable, or now do you think after making this record that like limitations are important for you? Um, I think it's important what you're trying to accomplish. Definitely, like when you're trying to accomplish something that's like you know, like for this one was a library record, like something that sounds like the 70s or something that sounds like an era then i think it's important to limit yourself and to be like okay like let's look at these particular instruments that are going to be used to emulate that kind of sound but yeah i mean with technology and everything like that um you know definitely makes it a lot easier than you know going out and buying a tape machine when you can use these emulation tape plugins and um, you know, using these, these guitar emulators that sound, you know, like so close to the originals. Yeah. Um, and even too like some of the software synth stuff, you know? So yeah. So like going through the process of it, it was a much different process than before where it was like, okay, let's get these other, let me bounce my ideas off a guitar player. Let me do this. Like, let me be in the studio and like work with the drummer on a song it was like i had to be very very precise with everything where i was like this is the demo this is what we're going to recreate this is what you're going to play this is what you're going to play these are the different like sections and there's no really like changing that so you're like really in this producer role Definitely. It was, I had to have the arrangements and everything. Like I had to like chart everything and have everything much more organized than I had before, where it was more of just like, let's see what happens. You know, let's create this. Let's see what happens. So I think that like made the record a lot. Like there was like a, a direction. Like yeah, a, man. A distinct direction. I feel that. Like I, I think even, you know, listening to the record and listening to what you had done previous to it just from like that opening track with non-linear you know it just feels like you quickly created a world and yeah. sets a tone for the record that is like consistent through yeah. it while having like cool dynamic changes and whatnot yeah that was definitely i think the idea of going into it you know
Hey everybody, just wanted to take a quick minute to let you know that this episode of the podcast is sponsored by North 45 Pub, located in the Alphabet District of Northwest Portland. They've got a killer selection of Belgian beers and an extensive liquor wall with over 200 bottles. Muscles and Fritz are on the menu. Their cheeseburger is lights out and they've always got some killer weekly specials as well. Aside from the menu items and beverages, they've got this awesome covered patio that is heated throughout the fall and winter with a bunch of big screens to watch all your favorite sports. And the best part is they have DJs playing tunes there every Tuesday night from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. and Sundays 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. So come through North 45 Pub for some tunes and some food. Let's get back to the episode. Are you conscious of that when you're putting together... A record like this of like how the pieces are going to fit together or is it more like let's just put the ideas out and then you know like things will make sense of themselves like so later that's a really good question so and i feel like i got this from from adrian from adrian young um because yeah i've like tried to pick apart his brain and i'm he's definitely like someone I look up to and just a huge mentor. Um, and yeah, like what he would tell me is like, you know, cause he does everything to tape, you know, he does everything the hard way, you know, and doing everything to tape, you don't have, you know, you can't save, you know, you can't save constantly save and work, go back and work on your song. And so what he would always tell me, he's like, you know, when I go and make a record, I have 12 songs I have those 12 songs and I know I'm going to record those 12 songs and that's it. Like I don't make any more than that. And, um, you know, with the other process of it with BTS, with like, you know, trying to create that hit or whatever, you know, it's like, I think a lot of that process for a lot of musicians, like let's write a hundred songs and we're going to take the best songs out of those hundred songs, which I think is terrible, which I think is terrible. And like kind of, switching your mind frame to doing that um really like just was relieving and then what you know what adrian was telling me is like you're gonna be a better musician you're gonna be a better composer when you start something and you know how to finish it and i think that process like totally went into this record where it was like what what i usually do is well i'll write the, the name of the album and I'll know the name of the album before I have like, whatever, I might have like a couple ideas or something like that, but it's like, I know, okay, multiple images, like what are we gonna do? We're gonna do a library kind of stuff. So, okay, like the images kind of thing, like I'm gonna have a song called Silhouette. It's mm. gonna be a faster kind of song. It's gonna be like this or, okay, nonlinear, like, you know, we'll have like a string arrangement, like kind of like putting all of those pe puzzle pieces, yeah. like not, all the way together but it's like giving you some type of direction where it's like okay we're gonna have 11 songs we're yeah. gonna have this you know that and i've also heard that process from uh from gangstar dj premier was talking about how they would like they they named the song before they'd make the song 
And they'd be like, oh, this is mass appeal. Yeah. Like, this is like what we're going to create for mass appeal. Well, I think that's such like a cool way to maybe like generate ideas too. It's not like, oh, I'm going to make the song and then title is like, oh, yeah. what if the title comes first and that like springboards? Yeah. Like you're saying, like you want the silhouette. I think, you, I think you want it to be that faster tempo. and like That's the vision of seeing it before, you know, before it's done, before you've created mm-hmm. it. Um, but I mean, that's not to say like, that's like, I see it all. And then I create yeah, 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 for sure. It's not, not to, not to say like that. Cause there's definitely times, especially too, on this record where it was like, you know, I create something and be like, maybe it's not for this. Yeah. You know? And then it's like, okay, let's like, let's do something else. You still, you got, you still got to paint. Yeah. Like, yeah. There's still, still like that room. trial and error of like creating everything. But I think that process of it, and I think, you know, having those limitations, you know, definitely makes you a better musician, definitely makes you a better composer and writer. Do you attribute, you know, those skateboarding videos and the way music worked with the visual? Like, do you attribute that at all to, like, the impact of, like, why your music feels so cinematic, whether it was the Captain Supernova stuff was, or um, this? I don't think it was so much of skateboarding videos. Yeah, I think it was just, like, the diving into movies and, like, watch... Like, I got really into... I mean, the Captain Supernova stuff might not have, like, nailed it so well. Maybe that Doors in the Door song, definitely. Um, But, like, yeah, like, uh, Giallo music, um, uh, soundtrack music, you know, uh, like, not horror music, but, like, psych thriller uh, I got really into like Cronenberg and um, David Lynch and like uh, a lot of like that kind of stuff. And then, yeah, I mean, I think even to some of the horror stuff, definitely like the Mike Oldfield, um, Tubular Bells, um, definitely all that different soundtrack kind of music. I mean, that's kind of like, you know, like. 2001 space odyssey yeah. you know like with the captain supernova stuff that visual like this the the direction like the 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 precise of like leaving your breadcrumbs like scattered around of like i think that process with the captain supernova stuff definitely kind of let it i mean honestly this record was was gonna be a captain supernova record but with Dan, he wasn't quite sure. It was like, just he's like, yeah, you know, like the name just doesn't seem right. Like with this kind of stuff, like what do you think about, you know, changing names? And I was like, ah, oh, no, I'm not changing names. Not changing. <laughs> I was like, but it's still kind of like stuck in my head, you know. I was like, and then you know, as uh, as time went on, he brought it up again, and then I was like all right, like, let's, like, really think about doing the name change. I talked to, like, so many people about it, and some people were like, oh, I hated that you called yourself Captain Supernova. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe, like, feeds into, like, the spirit of the library music thing, too. Yeah. Like, so a, that's, of, like, that's for sure. Like, like that was, like, the E. Lundquist thing was totally, like, this fit better, yeah. you know, and it's like, this is all instrumental. Like, the Captain Supernova stuff, I felt like was, like, epic like journey story the the music is the soundtrack to this character and i've always felt very like disconnected from that you know like where it's like it's captain supernova but i always kind of like felt weird to call myself captain supernova yeah. you know like astronaut 
So super funny, super funny to totally sidetrack on this. I played a show, San Jose Jazz Fest, and this kid came up to me and was like, are you a real astronaut? <laughs> That's amazing. I man. was like, uh, nope. <laughs> the drummer, the drummer looks at me, he's like, dude, you should have told him you were an astronaut. That's all he cared about. He was just a kid, man. Could have changed that kid's life. <laughs> So do you feel like the the E. Lundquist stuff is like almost more grounded in some ways as far as like not having that like character it, it, attachment to I think it? it? Like I think it frees up the idea of like not having always to do something sci-fi or like space element towards it, um, and then really kind of just opening up like you know like the library kind of stuff has the, the element of the the space and yeah, you know, it's definitely there. I mean, it, I think it also like carries that spirit of like like what you were talking about naming songs before it's just like that yeah. that was all you know all that intention was like to like make music that was like like down to the titles of like this is a car yeah. driving off at the end of the movie this is like a car driving off at night this is a car driving yeah. during the day this yeah. is the the chiller like. yeah and you know it all ha i guess you know it all you know to be like cliche you know it was all meant to be and it's also too kind of like where i'm at i feel like in my life too where it's like you know with Kevin supernova it was like about being mysterious you know and like i think like a lot of the times like i wouldn't really reveal a lot of like yeah. who i am like my story like and um you know with e lundquist that's what like i kind of wanted to really bring to the forefront like you know i've been making this music for this long i've been you know part of these different groups yeah. and you know Lundquist is is actually my blood you know like I don't use that name Eric Borders is you know my name and my last name but Lundquist is um my blood it's my biological grandfather's name and then my grandmother remarried and my my do my dad took on the Borders last name so Borders really doesn't have any you know blood relation so um it it felt really good and as well just like to tell my dad like hey like i'm using this name yeah. you know like um because it kind of felt like a lost bloodline you know it's like it just ended because of that um yeah because he, he you know he he changed his name so yeah so it felt good and it just kind of felt too like you like what you said like you'd see that name i feel like on the back of a, a KPM record or you, you know, yeah. you, you look at that name and be like, Oh, you know, like you see like Alan Hackshaw or DeWolf. Brian Bennett. <laughs> yeah. DeWolf, whatever, you know, you see those different names and, um, it, yeah, it just feels like some like white dude in like the UK making these like <laughs> crazy records, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's cool, man. Do you feel like there was something like, vulnerable or more vulnerable for you to do this record that was all instrumental um well i, I had some i had I've ha obviously like with the captain supernova stuff like there was um i have a lot like a mix it was kind of like a mix you know yeah. like having singing and having uh instrumental stuff and then some songs would have singing and then like be a lot more instrumental so i think it gave me the opportunity where it's like this is on your your choice of how to express yourself without using the lyrics and creating that, creating that expression. So yeah, yeah, like I think it was it was definitely freeing in a way. And um like definitely gave me the confidence of like, you know, being able to make an instrumental record. 
Yeah, like I think like the whole entire process of everything that's kind of like came up, like it came up to this point to make this record. Yeah. You know, of just everything that I've kind of gone through. Yeah, I've kind of just like always appreciated like even in the Captain Supernova stuff bleeding into the the Elon Quist record, just your your use of vocals as like an instrument yeah. at times, like even yeah. more than the direct narrative stuff. And I think that's like maybe even why I like this record more than the previous stuff is like yeah. some of that stuff is still in there and just like some of the guitar playing like peripheral is oh, like yeah. deep groove yeah, on that he, one. Like the pocket dude, is just like I massive. I swear. I don't see. I don't I don't know. I, I, I need to have a conversation with him, but I'm pretty sure like we had the Zoom call. I showed him the song. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, like it needs like a chorus for this section. Cause they had those chord changes and they're kind of hard chord changes to play off of. And I couldn't really figure out anything um, on the roads to kind of like go along with it. And I swear he just picked up the guitar and he's like, and I was like, dude, that's it. And that's like, <laughs> yeah, that's like one where it feels like the guitar seems to act as the vocalist on yeah. that track, oh, you know? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Him, um, one of my other buddies, Conrad, Conrad Bauer, um, who's amazing, amazing guitar player. He's the one who plays on Silhouette and just rips. Um, and then I also got um, my other buddy, Blue Tori, who plays on Revenge and um, Vision, who's like got that kind of like funky thing going on on that, that record. And then, yeah, Nina's theme. Um, which is like a dedication to my to my daughter who when I was writing it she wasn't born yet so it was like really cool to kind of like see oh, that yeah. come to be um, but it's actually really funny because my son is like well where's my song where's Nina <laughs> like you have a song that I just haven't put out yet for you um, <laughs> that song was like really really cool how it just all came to be because that was the one that I really collaborated with Ryan my buddy Ryan and um he was in BTS, and um, he's an amazing musician. Can play keys like really, really well. Plays guitar really, really well. And I just showed him um, a melody that I had um, on the on the piano, and had like some chords to kind of go along with it. But I just had this melody, and I was like, you know, this feels like a theme song. And I, I was like a Ennio Morricone, Ennio Morricone like type of vibe. Um, I was I was actually really thinking of Deborah's theme from the movie once upon a time in america and that like that i love that record i love uh, all the string arrangements in that record and i was like oh, okay like um you know it's like built off of this line and then you know that's when the acoustic guitar came in and then just started layering over that and then like he he really had uh, i feel like a bit more direction on that he just kind of like gave it to me it was like here and then it was like building off of it. You know, we got like the vocals kind of singing over that line and then like making it a lot bigger and then um, all the strings that kind of like go along with it and everything. 
done much writing since making oh this yeah. record yeah and, i mean this record took a really long time to make. and there's, it, a, there's a so this is what i was telling dan too like it was and i don't want to say this like seem like really cocky or anything like that because it it wasn't easy to make there was a lot of shit going on like the pandemic all like the riots all of this like uncertainty this was like my safe haven yeah you know this was like i came you know whatever working you know you know thank god for my wife to allowing me to have this time you know like whatever she took the kids would go to the in-laws and i have this time to write and make the music um but it was like my safe haven you know that was like my place that i went to as all this kind of like craziness is going on in the world yeah to create this record and it honestly it felt easy like it felt really easy like making this it was like the all the stuff after that like was difficult was like the the, the artwork like that the you know the record plans taking super yeah. long you know it took a really long time from when i finished it i finished it really early on in the pandemic um and then yeah it, it obviously you know got kind of which was which was cool that it, it got released kind of after everything starting opening and opening up but yeah it's just been like a really long process to get to where you know where For we sure. are now yeah do you feel like uh as far as you know finding that safe haven did it i don't know resonate the same way you needed like music when you got into the accident as far as like finding that I sort knew, of I like security really i never really thought about it, it like that i never really thought about it like that but you know but I, you know, I think, like, I don't know, like, this is maybe corny, too, but, like, music, like, for me, is, like, religion, you know? Yeah. It's, like, very spiritual. So, like, I think that's definitely, like, you know, maybe at the time when I was going through the accident, me kind of realizing that, you know, maybe not necessarily knowing that, like, this is, like, giving me a place to, like, go to and, like, talk to these instruments and, uh, as well, collaborate with other people. Um, Just, like, a necessary way to process the world in yeah, some ways yeah definitely and um yeah just going through the whole pandemic man it was just like a really weird phase and um yeah so like i mean i got another record ready pretty much <laughs> and, <laughs> um and i guess my question like in like asking you if you had done much writing since then like do you feel like it's more derivative of like this record or at least like the spirit like are you just like continuing to lean into things that are a little more like structured instead of leaving them like open-ended i think this next one's a lot darker for sure i think it was like you know i don't know like it was to be honest with you it was like it was kind of nice like being at home like early on yeah. you know it's like oh you know we're home. like being with the kids and everything yeah. like spending time with them um but then it was like damn like you know i think we all felt that way it was like oh is this a week it's just two, is this yeah is this a month is this two months and then yeah man like the riots were going on like you know just like right down the street and all, all that everything else like the tension was super high you know the um the insurrection yeah you know with the white house just like all this uncertainty you know, I, I we were talking about weed and like, you know, that's like when I bought all this weed and it was like smoking it like <laughs> as like people are breaking into the White House. I was like, dude, like it's too intense, man. Yes, I can't be intense. I can't be stoned for this. It's too intense, man. <laughs> I wasn't it's ready too. for all this. <laughs> and I feel like I'm I'm I feel like I'm a very like 
I'm, I feel like I'm someone who's like always conscious of kind of like what's happening, you know, whether it be like reading or watching the news, whatever it is. Um, I really had to like just, just tap out. Like I had to just like turn it off and yeah. just kind of like really just like disconnect from that. And um, yeah, a lot of that writing process of what I have coming up. Um, I mean, who knows kind of like what, what will be, but like the direction of it was definitely a lot darker. And also, like, just kind of tighter as far as, like, the compositions and stuff, oh, like well, you were yeah, talking about. Oh, yeah, so then about. that's, like, where I've been just playing, like, guitar and bass yeah. a lot more. And um, it's really, like, improved, I feel like, my composition skills rather than relying. So, yeah, like, what I would be doing, like, for multiple images is, like, I'd write a bass line that would, like, carry the rest of the song to finish writing it. You know, so just kind of be like a temporary idea that I would shoot off Scott and be like, hey, like, what do you think of this? You know, and like, like, could you, could you, would you want to play that or would you want to play something like, could you come up with an idea off that? So it was like a little bit of like giving him an idea and then him kind of like evolving that idea or him just scrapping the whole idea and then just coming up with something else. But, um, with being able to actually like play the bass and like that being the heartbeat like yeah. of like composing in a way i feel like it's definitely like evolving the music and changing um just kind of my thought process process is that where you like find yourself challenging yourself the most as far as like just getting better on each instrument so you like Try to process it through yourself, at least like maybe some of those initial ideas. Thank God for technology. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Thank God for technology because it's like you know, I have this bass um, that I was I was given. Someone gave it to me, um, and it was like, you know, like I don't have an amp, you know. So it's like I have you know guitar amp simulation plugins. You know, I have uh, a tuner on the the DAW. You know, I have a way that I can play something and look at the notes of what I'm playing after I've done it and change the notes if I want to, you know? And so definitely that part of it is like, I've been huge, been huge for me. Like even too, I was just thinking about like, I was writing something yesterday and you know, I played a little bit off being able to change that. I do like all of those aspects of technology and obviously music technology now is just like, it's crazy now. It's so crazy. Um, but also too, I do like having like, like what we're saying, like that limitation of like not having like, so I have a real roads, you know, and that just like, like you can't have the MIDI, you know, like you don't have the MIDI, you don't have, um, the, the luxury of, uh, like going in and taking out a note or changing a note, you know, it's all recorded in there. So it's what you play is what you get. You know, and um, I think that's really important to have that feeling, you know, and this is the craziest thing is with this record is that, you know, after we made it, it really felt like we were all like in the studio, make like we all recorded this in the studio, you know? Yeah, it doesn't, like, I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't feel removed from me in that way. So it's like cool to learn yeah, like that's Zoom how calls, it was dude. made, dude. All Zoom calls. <laughs> And, and so weird. I don't know. I think that like speaks to the compositions and like what you did with the the ideas. You obviously found like great players too, but like I think those ideas like needed to be there to like make it feel like it was this like 
record that everybody was in the same room yeah. making it. So like, yeah, yeah man. we all got along. All those musicians, like we all got along. And I also think too, um, you know, being in the during the pandemic, you know, there wasn't a lot going on too. So it was like it also gave them like the same kind of feeling of like that safe like for sure this is something we can work on oh wow this is like you know i think too like when you do feel like you're backed by a label like oh you know like you're gonna put it out like it definitely i think like encourages like the musicians like damn like this is gonna be on wax like yeah you know like i want to come with it i want to push it it, and yeah you know your name's going to be attached to it in a certain way so like i said man it's one of the my favorite projects that i've gotten to work on like thank you at king underground and like i like super appreciate you uh uh, thanks so much for the write-up so yeah so it was it was it was funny because this is a conversation that i had with dan because um so yeah so like the pink floyd line that you wrote in there yeah i was like it was super crazy because right when you i think right when you sent dan like back your your draft of what you wrote up um i had just gone to the pink floyd museum there's a pink (laughs) floyd museum out here in hollywood and it made me just like really realize like how much pink floyd has influenced me and even too just like a lot of the stuff that they went through you know with 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 david gilmore and roger waters and the the band just kind of pulling and you know the the internal struggle that you have like being in a band yeah um and then their side projects and you know just kind of their whole entire growth and you know yeah just made me really realize like damn like they are probably like my favorite like rock group you know funny man i just kind of heard it in like in this in the spaciness of the guitar tones and just like the compositions kind of gave me those vibes in there so it's cool that like that like not knowing yeah that you know pink floyd was this big really like like intentionally did that i don't think i ever intentionally did it so that was like kind of eye-opening a little bit reading that and then the flaming lips so like i don't know i to be honest with you i didn't know any flaming lips at all you know i love that i love that (laughs) because that means like i don't know that's just like what i heard and yeah and and it has no like impact on you which is great (laughs) i think that's right so like i had to go back and like i was like all right i'm gonna listen to some flaming lip stuff and i was like damn this is pretty dope like this is cool like i I don't think i would have like you know on a whatever you know whatever day just go out and listen to flaming lips i always remembered them as like having like a really cool crazy live show they'd get in that like that's that yeah, ball that's you know? the only time i've ever seen him was was <laughs> wayne is wayne coin i think is his last name and this dude is like in the ball going through the crowd but like seeing flaming lips live is what like really put the records into context for yeah. me like i i always thought that they had a couple cool albums but it wasn't until i saw it live that like it really like made me listen to those records yeah. differently and i thought like some of your uh compositions kind of just like had some of that yeah that spaciness to it but also grounded at times and uh yeah man just uh really dig the multiple images awesome. Thanks, record man. and can't encourage people enough to to check it out there's like vinyl copies available that you should uh grab one of those if you're someone that's got a turntable yeah the orange the orange uh vinyl came out really good yeah man and the artwork came out really really good um marco i think he's like out in like serbia he goes by floating bastard and uh man 
super incredible artist. Absolutely. Yeah. And shout out to Dan Englander from King Underground Records for, uh, yeah, man, turning me onto this thing, putting it out on, yeah. on KU. And, uh, you know, check out the, the Captain Supernova stuff. Go back, dig in <laughs> to uh, the other available material. I'll make sure all the links are in the episode notes. So if you just want to check out the, the record on Spotify and whatnot, you can do that. But uh, as far as the cinematic vibes, man, Blue Room is uh, one of my favorites oh, awesome. on the record. And that one gives me like these wild 80s kind of like TV series dramas <laughs> like Miami Vice or Hunter. Like, I don't know. It's got it's got some uh, some cool stuff on that one. It's like maybe uh, nice. maybe some of my favorite moments from the entire record are nice. on this track. So I want to play it out with yeah. Blue Room. Is that, that record was funny because um, I so like all the band members that I always play with, they always hate that I have like all these chord changes and like, you know, it'll, it'll modulate. It's like going to all these different, um, just random chord changes. Yeah. And so I was like, Oh, I'm going to write a record. I'm going to write a song. Just, this is going to be two chords and we're just going to build off of these two chords. And, uh, my buddy Scott was like, nah, nah, nah. We're gonna do it. <laughs> and then he just start. he, he's the one who really kind of like evolved that song. And, um, like started playing a lot of other notes over the chords and then that led me to change the chords and then it kind of created this whole crazy arrangement. Yeah, man. Well, this one's on, on that record, multiple images available now. Appreciate you again, man, for taking the time to chat it up with me. And we end every episode of the podcast with the guest saying the tagline of the show, which is it's a program. So if we could get the Elon twist. E, uh, Did I say that right? It's a program. It's a program. 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 Yeah, it means absolutely nothing. It's just the way that my <laughs> grandfather says the news program. He always says program. I've noticed okay, like people from it. a certain generation seem to say it that way. So, yeah, it's just a goofy way to end the show. You can deliver it however you would like to do it. It's a program. He nailed it, everybody. That's Elon <laughs> Quist. You can find that record out everywhere. Links are in the episode notes. Playing it out with Blue Room. That is the Jelly Jams, and we will catch you on the flip side. Los Angeles, Portland, wherever you are listening from.
Hey, just want to give a big shout out to Distro Kid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Can't say thank you enough to Distro Kid for their support of this thing. And make sure you go into the episode notes and find that Distro Kid link to receive 30% off your first year of membership with Distro Kid, making their already affordable prices even cheaper for you. So make sure you take advantage of that. And the link is also in uh, the link in my Instagram bio on the link tree. So you can find it there as well. Big thanks to DistroKid. Stay up, stay tuned.